Welcome everybody to the Sleepy Perform Repeat podcast. This is your host, David Clancy, and along with my co-host, Connor Gavin, we are here in Soco Performance, Dublin, Ireland, to bring you a podcast focusing on what it means to be performing at the highest level, what in essence is high-performance culture. We're going to share our experience and our backgrounds into what we've acquired over the years. Connor Gavin has extensive experience of working in the AFL with the West Coast Eagles, but also having worked in a high-performance environment with the Irish rugby team. Myself, David Clancy, I'm going to bring my experience and know-how from having worked in London with Isaac Kinetic Medical Group on Hardy Street, but also having experienced high-performance culture working with the Brooklyn Nets and the San Antonio Spurs of the NBA. What we're striving to achieve here is to find out what exactly makes high-level athletes tick and what makes them to perform at the highest level and how they really can get back to play at the highest level of return to play and return to performance after injury. How do all these elements play a role in performance? That's what we're really trying to find out here. So I hope you all enjoy listening to this and can learn. I really hope it sparks an interest because what we're really trying to do here in Ireland is evolve and grow and tap into what really makes high performance culture. Hey guys, today myself and David spoke with Jake Hutchinson, who is one of the head guys over at Jim Jones in the States. So, pleasure to speak to Jake today. Um, Jim Jones, obviously renowned for a lot of their more famous models that relate to mindset, things like the mind is primary. Uh, so, we speak to Jake about the genesis of those models and kind of as a follow-on from that, the, the importance of the development of mental resilience for people in sport or business or just everyday life. Uh, Jake is obviously a former US Marine, so we speak to him about that and kind of some of the common characteristics he's seen that are shared between high-level military and sports performers and kind of relationships they have um, in common. Uh, he's also an avalanche specialist, not something you hear every day, so we speak to him about that, how he got involved in this and what it actually entails on a day-to-day basis. Uh, we also speak about the importance of adaptability in sports, so this idea of adapt and overcome Again, another model from the Marines that uh, can be applicable to, to sports, business and, and everyday life. And also this idea of if you're getting put in a hole in life, in sports and business, how you how you get out of that. So um, some really good uh, stuff on in here on mindset, some really, really useful stuff for people to take away with. We wrap up then with a quick Q&A with Jake. So, yeah, we're delighted to have him on. He's some he's a really, really, really interesting guy and uh, had some great answers for us. So. As usual, if you have any questions or comments from myself and David, we'd love to hear them. We can be contacted on Instagram on Soco Performance or as D Clancy Physio. And then Jake himself is there on Jake underscore Hutch 73. So, yeah, hope you enjoy this one and speak to you all soon. Hi, everyone. Uh, welcome to another episode of Sleep, Eat, Perform, Repeat. Today, myself and David are delighted to sit down and speak to Jake Hutchison. David, a uh, big fan of Jake, so I'm going to hand over to him to give the introduction. Absolutely. I am a big fan, big fan of Jake. I've kind of looked to his content a lot online over the last couple of years for inspiration, really. He's someone that claims he rides motorcycles, wanders deserts, trains dogs, ponders avalanches, and he, he works out of Jim Jones in the US, out of Salt Lake in Utah. So, Jake, thanks very much for speaking to the two of us here in Dublin. How's life for you today? What's going on in your world? That's uh, good, you know, it's, uh, I'm sitting here at the gym, it's quiet, um, and uh, today's the first day the sun's been out in Utah for a while, we're having an abnormal rainy spring, so uh, enjoyed the morning outside this morning, and 
um, just get ready for the uh, afternoon mayhem that ensues here at Jim Jones when uh, folks start rolling back in in a couple hours. Okay, so what I'm always interested in a lot of the sayings that come out of Jim Jones. You have a lot of statements. You know, I have a t-shirt that says salvation. You know, you've got the mind is primary, earned, not given. What, what, what's the genesis behind, behind all those sort of mottos? You know, because there's, there's a lot of strength and power and mental toughness attached and behind all of them. Yeah, you know, if you, you look to the, the origins of Jim Jones, which predate my involvement here, um, you know, Lisa Bouchard is a fighter. Um, she, she trains multiple martial arts disciplines, and she was looking for a place to get the guys she trained with stronger, a place for them to train. Her um, ex-husband, but husband at the time, Mark Twight, was a climber, and he was looking for a place to be better prepared for the mountains. And, um, you know, through all those evolutions, the thing they realized, you know, it's actually the movie, uh, uh, it just slipped my mind. Um, 300. Uh, no, not 300, before 300, um, oh. Fight Club. Oh, yeah. You know, Mark, Mark and Lisa went to Fight Club and got inspired, like, hey, we got to do something different. We got to push the envelope. And, um, you know, what I think we, Mark originally got involved with CrossFit and what he realized is that he got fit, but his performance in the mountains actually started to decline because he was training in this CrossFit modality. And, um, they started working with Dan John, who ironically was um, my high school football coach. Was um, he? I'm a big, I, yeah. I've actually read nearly every one of his books. So, okay. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. My connection with Dan John goes back to the mid eighties. And, um, they would go train at Dan's house on Saturdays and have a barbecue and just start picking his brain and writing things down. And so the Jim Jones philosophy, that's kind of where it was born and it grew. And, um, you know, part of those things, you know, we have a deep rooted history in the military. I'm, no, I'm, a, I'm a U.S. Marine. Um, we've had a lot of groups and these sayings, a lot of them come from martial arts books and military books and mental but I think, you know, the root of Jim Jones is we don't do anything magical fitness-wise. You know, um, someone I respected once told me a few years ago, no one's done anything new for 60 years. You pick heavy things up and you set them down and hmm. you get stronger. Yeah, you yeah. know, it's, it's really basic. Um, it's how we apply it. And, and really this thing with Jim Jones is the mental part of it is, you know, we present barriers to people and we help them break through them and we help them realize that those barriers were actually far below their true potential, far below their true capabilities. So that's where these things come from. You know, the mind is primary. That is our um, motto. That is on everything um, that we do. Um, Salvation, ironically, Lisa came up with the name Jim Jones as the play on, the play on words with Jim Jones and the, and the, um, the suicide pact and, and, Diana, and, um, you know, there's the saying of, you know, there's a fine line between salvation and drinking poison in the jungle, and, um, mm. you know, which is on another one of our shirts, and and sometimes people understand it, sometimes they don't, but, you know, what we've found is that the salvation for each of us is different, but um, by making these breakthroughs mentally, you know, the gym is just a tool to make the breakthrough for us. 
um, you know, I have all sorts of people, and these things um, help us kind of stay rooted, stay focused. We've, we've evolved a bunch, we've changed a bunch, but, you know, these things are on our walls, on our t-shirts, they're in our printed materials, they're in our seminars that we talk, and that's what we fall back on is, you know, they could be just words, they could be inspirational, but it's really the foundation. The mind is primary is the foundation of what we are. Salvation is what we're all seeking through what we do here. Um, and it comes down to all these these physical challenges that are really about your mental capacity to go one further step, put one more pound on the bar, do one more rep, whatever it is. Yeah, so there's no self-limiting behaviors, right? You can do anything for only 30 seconds. I've read that before and I... I firmly believe it because I was on an airdyne today on a fan bike and blowing after a couple of minutes. But I'd sometimes try to break it down into tiny pieces and go, let's tackle this next 30, 40 seconds. Let's smash that. Let's smash the next minute. And that's ultimately, I suppose, showing that kind of mental resilience gets you physically there most of the time. Absolutely. I mean, self-limiting behavior, we all, no one is immune to it. Um, I, I promise you the, the greatest athletes in the world at some point or another have doubted themselves and, and the thing we really teach people is if I stare at a barbell on the ground with you know 200 kilos on or whatever the number is and, and it in my head I was like I say to myself there's no way I can pick it up I am absolutely right there's no way I will pick it up hmm. but if I look at that bar and say okay I'm going to attack this and I'm going to get it off the ground I may or may not do it but at least I now have a chance you know and if you if you take that chance away mentally before you even engage in the behavior, you are absolutely going to be correct. You're going to prove yourself correct, you know. And, and and we do it with the 2K row and the air bike and all these various things. And, you know, yeah, you're right. If I look at, you know, I think one of the worst things we do here is an all-out minute for calories on the on the airfit bike. Um, if you've never done one, it's, it's brutal to truly give everything you've got for 60 seconds is horrible. And if you think about what you're going to feel like at second 59 before you start pedaling, you're going to have a bad day. You know, it's, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to go as hard as I can go until I blow up. And then I'm just going to keep dragging myself to the finish line because it's just 60 seconds. And, and as someone, uh, and a, a high level military guy once said in here, this stuff's easy. No one's shooting at me. Hmm. You know, you just got to make a decision. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're going to do it. So, Jake, just to, to touch on that, let's have a quick chat about um, your experience working with the military. Why do you think there's such a cross-pollination between people working at high levels in the military and people in high-level, high-performance sports? What is it? What are the common characteristics and traits that you see in people in both, both areas? I think the first one is, you know, I can't win a football game by myself. And I, I can't win a battle by myself. I can't I can't win a firefight by myself. So the first one is the camaraderie and the um, the teamwork aspect of it, the the reliance that every gear in that machine is gonna do its job. And whether you're on a on a playing field or in a in a battle, you know I mean I, I, you look at American football, the New England Patriots arguably are not the roster filled with the most talented team, but I don't think anyone can argue they are the best total team because mm -hmm. they all know that everyone's going to do their job and no one has to worry about covering someone else's mistakes because they all just do their thing. 
you know, you've got to have that blind faith that everyone's going to do what they're supposed to do. And it starts there. And then, you know, it's, um, I, I, I think the competitiveness, you know, I, I don't know how, if you've spent much time around any elite military units, but um, there's no pro athlete out there that's got, got anything in the competitive side of things more than, more than these guys. I mean, they, you know, they push each other, they, they pick on each other, and it's all, A, a little competitiveness, and B, to make each other better at what they do. And so I think it starts there, you know. And, and, and that's the thing that Jim Jones does is um, we have a lot of partner-style workouts where one person's length of, you know, discomfort is dictated by the other person's effort. And so you go harder when you know that your teammate is, is hurting on your behalf. And I think that that's um, another carryover between athletics and, and the military. <laughs> yeah. I've, I've been fortunate to spend a bit of time with some former military guys that are working in high-performance sport in the U.S. this year. Guys like someone working with the Brooklyn Nets, working with the Cleveland Indians, someone working even in San Antonio. And for, for sure, I've, I've seen that firsthand, how they just they seem to bring the team together really well. There's no egos. They're very kind of humble and they just know how to get everyone to gel together and work efficiently and productively. And I've really seen it firsthand and I've been super impressed by all of them, to be honest. Uh, Jake, yeah, what? you know, it's, I mean, one of the things I learned in the Marine Corps, and I've been out for a long time, but we don't leave anyone behind, right? And so hmm. that's part of that, that team effort too is, is you know, if something happens to me or someone else, I'm going to get that person out of here regardless of what's going on. And so you, you just, you get that, um, you know, it's a, it's a, whether you're in business or sports or athletics or military, it's a, it's a sign of a high functioning team when everybody counts on everybody and has that, that, that faith and that, and that cohesiveness. So let's let's come away from Jim Jones and the military for a minute. I'm very interested in hearing a little bit about your your life as an instructor and an avalanche specialist. That's not something we come across a whole lot here in the Emerald Isles. So tell us a little bit about that. Uh, you know, um, I uh, I got out of the Marine Corps in the um, early '90s. Um, I was in the um, I was actually in the reserves and going to school. And um, my, my, my long-term plan in my life was to be a helicopter pilot in the military and, and go down that route. And I got into a program that allowed me to come home, go to school, stay in the reserves. And then when I got done with school, I would be able to go on to flight school and do all those, all those cool things that I wanted to do. And um, I had grown up, my dad was a part-time ski patroller at a ski resort. And um, as I found that my reserve pay and my life as a student made it hard to pay the bills, I started looking for a job and I ended up working at a ski resort. And um, I started as a ski patroller and I took one winter off with the promise that I would go back and finish school the next winter. Well, um, that became two winters. And then I got, I got hurt. I got hit by a car, actually. And um, it... Uh, it led to a medical discharge out of the Marine Corps. And, um, mm. you know, in the moment I was like, oh man, life is, 
my entire life plan just got derailed at, at 25 years old. Um, but what it led was it opened the door to the career in snow and avalanches. And so I spent 20 years as a ski patroller, as a professional ski patroller. And about 10 years into that career, I got an invitation from a guy named Rod Newcomb who founded the American Avalanche Institute to start doing some work for him. And I was um, honored, shocked, blown away. And um, I started kind of balancing both a full-time ski resort job and, and instructing and and climbing and skiing on my own and doing all sorts of things. And um, over time, I just kind of evolved into, um, I think in 2010, 2010-11, I left the ski resort and went full-time as an as a instructor in the, in the avalanche world. And um, I have, uh, you know, kept my foot in that in that world for a long time. I've, I've been very fortunate to work with some of the, of the out there, some of the best organized guiding and, and resort operations, and, uh, and uh, uh, I can't even tell you how many recreational folks I've had the opportunity to teach over over that 20 plus years now of teaching folks in the snow, and so it's been, um, yeah, it's, it's, not a, it's not a path I saw for myself, but it's one that I fell into, and um, you know, avalanches are weird, we don't fully scientifically understand exactly what happens in those moments and so there's a lot of uh, a lot of teaching people to trust instincts and to trust observations that might not be real black and white at times to make good decisions and um, I spend most of my time now studying um, heuristics and human decision making and trying to come up with better tools to help people make more objective decisions because we all fall prey to um, human nature and, and we justify bad decisions based on potential positive outcomes. So it, it's been a fun career. Um, and and the, the fun thing about snow is because we don't fully understand it, I learn something all the time. And I found that I've learned more by teaching than I ever learned as a student. Huh. Well, yeah, we've, we've spoke to Many uh, many athletes and coaches so far, Jake, and they've all performed in high pressure environments. But I can't imagine much environments with more pressure than Avalanche, the Avalanche setting. So my hats off to you on that one. Um, I'd just like to talk to you about this idea that you mentioned about the limber pine and the ability of bending, not breaking. How important is uh, the ability to adapt and overcome unforeseen circumstances for athletes? How how highly do you rate that, or are there things you rate even more highly than that? I mean, you know, adapt and overcome. That's one of the things that they, the Marine Corps beats into your head. Um, because, you know, once you can have the greatest game plan in the world, but once once the uh, bell rings, the whistle blows, whatever it is, um, if you don't adapt to what the other team is doing, um, you'll probably get pulled over. I, I go back to I, one of my favorite sayings of all time is Mike Tyson. You know, everyone's got a plan, so they get punched in the face. Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, it's, it's, it, it applies to so many aspects in life. And you, you can plan all you want, but when you put another thinking person or team of people on the other side of the field or or the other side of the mountain or whatever it is, and you think that you can just stay in your plan, you're probably going to get run over, you know. And um, the ability to adapt and identify how you have to change on the fly is, is really critical. I mean, how fast have you 
these games, these decisions get made. And I look at I look at the mountains. If you go into the mountains and avalanche train, thinking that what you do in the morning is exactly what you're going to find out there, you're probably going to get in trouble. And the ability to adapt and change with what the environment presents you is going to be the difference between winning the game, losing the game, staying alive, and coming home in a body bag. And, and it's um, you got to stay flexible, you know. And um, <clears throat> I, I, I tell students a lot, you know, in the mountains. Like, I've, I've been to a lot of cool places. I've never been to a single one where I said, yep, that's it, kill me now. I, I, that was worth dying for. I, I haven't seen it yet. And hmm. Mostly, I'm selfish. I just want to go back and do it again. Well, Jake, I want to ask you this. This is something else we, we looked into as we were researching a bit. You, you once said it doesn't have to be heavy or complicated to put you in a hole. So, so give us an example of something easy and straightforward that could put us both in a hole tomorrow, maybe in the gym to try out. Well, I think, you know, the, the Airdyne bike is a, is a great um, example. Of, you know, <laughs> no, I don't want to go back I, on the Airdyne. <laughs> I, I think that I look back to when I was a kid and every, every one of my friends, their mother or their dad had one of those original gold Airdyne bikes in their basement and we would all screw around with it. Never in my wildest dreams that I imagined it would come back to haunt me <laughs> as the most brutal, honest piece of fitness equipment ever invented because the reality is the fitter you get, the harder that thing gets. It just completely scales with your effort all the way through. That that machine never yeah. gets easier. You know, and yeah. so there's one way. Another way, um, I think back to, um, you know, when I was in the Marine Corps, the service rifle we used was seven and a half pounds. Holding a seven and a half pound object at arm's length for minutes into half hours into hours on end, not being allowed. One of the rules is your rifle never hits the ground. You know, huh. it's amazing how seven and a half pounds can put you in a hole. And I think of, you know, when I make people do holds here with kettlebells or something. I don't want them walking around. I don't want them talking. I don't want them standing. I want to go stand and stare at the wall. Hmm. Get in your head and think about how heavy those things are. Think about how far it is. So one of our um, Jim Jones instructors, Curtis Frazier, um, he's an Army Ranger, former Army Ranger. He has a great workout where you just pick up two 24K kettlebells, put 30 minutes on the clock and stand and stare at the clock and hold them. Ooh. And the first time you drop, first time you drop them, you got to do one burpee. Second time you drop them, you got to do two, and you just keep going and going and going. Are you holding it like a farmer's walk, arms extended? Yep, yep, holding it like a farmer's carriage, straight down, not moving, standing in place, just staring at the clock. Sick. You know, and you can put yourself in a phenomenally deep hole doing that. God. And it's it's all about your brain, you know, because because we all got the voice in our head that says drop these things, this is stupid, and. And you know that when you're doing something where the where doing burpees becomes more desirable than standing there and holding something, <laughs> you know yeah. Created, yeah. Uh, something's wrong with the world. That, the world has turned upside down. <laughs> so, Jake, we've got a couple of uh, quick fire questions about uh, performance to get your opinion on. How would you define high performance? What does that term mean to you? Uh, I, I think it's it's anything. That is in that 
97, 98 percent and above percentile of human effort. You know, it's it's something that very few people can actually mentally attain. I think physically people are capable, but it's the mental that kicks in, and I think it's it's that super high end. You know, most of us will never ever see that because we don't have the combination of genetics, work ethic, physical attributes, and mental attributes to get us there. Okay, and if you've ever had a scenario, uh, Jake, any at any point throughout your career, or even just a hypothetical situation where something hasn't quite gone according to plan for you, um, whether you're out in the mountains, back in the Marine Corps, in your gym, how do you reset yourself? What do you do to regain your focus or regain your edge? You know, I I've had a I've had a bunch. You know, I've, I've mostly in the mountains. I've, I've dealt with a lot of um, death and destruction in the mountains over my career, and um, a bunch of near misses. And um, I, I take the I take the what we call in the rescue world the whistle drill, and I just blow a whistle and stop and look around and um, you know try to identify first of all you know. What are the what are the real dangers here? What's distracting me from those dangers, and what's my immediate steps to correct those? You know, and and if you if you, I, I joke with folks sometimes in the gym. You know, if I if I run and smash my head into the wall over and over and over again, and maintain the mentality that eventually the wall is going to break, I can guarantee my head is going to break before the wall will, and so. You know, sometimes that half second of stop and breathe and reassess the situation can be the difference between um, telling stories in the bar and um, sitting in an emergency room in a hospital wondering what went wrong. Yeah. And um, just that it's amazing what you can, the clarity you can find in a second or two of just stopping and, and stepping back mentally from what's going on. Yeah. Okay, and uh, finally for me, Jake, if you have a scenario tomorrow where you, you log into your phone, you go onto Instagram and they've changed their algorithm where you have to put down three things under your profile that define you so that people who scroll onto your profile, they say, you're right, this is what Jake stands for. What are those three things you're going to put on there? <laughs> uh Stubborn would go on there. Um, <clears throat> stubborn, uh, passionate. And uh, loyal. I think those are three things that I would like that I would put on there about myself. Perfect. Three good traits when used correctly. Yeah, they can also backfire. And now over to me, Jake. There's. There's a couple of quick fire ones from me I want to ask because I'm I've looked on your profile and I've seen a lot of philosophy, photos, quotes from authors such as Cormac McCarthy, my favorite author. So. I want to ask you five favorites. What, what's your favorite book? Uh, it would depend on the day, but it's, it's either Blood Meridian <laughs> or um, Desert Solitaire by Ed Abbey. Um, those, two, those two I've read dozens of times each, and, and I'm always happy to read them again. So okay. those would be near the top. Who's your favorite author? I, I think Cormac McCarthy is my favorite author. Um, my, mine as well. Um, your favorite place that you've been on all your journeys thus far? Uh, it, it's, 
the uh, the the edge of a canyon called John's Canyon down in um, southern Utah. Um, it's a, it overlooks the San Juan River and uh, it is now part of a, a national monument, but but hasn't been for years. And uh, because my it's my favorite place to go and just sit and hang out and kind of take the take the world in and be away from be away from everything. Cell phones don't work there. It's a beautiful time. We've just looked it up. Um, okay, tell us your favorite quote. My favorite quote. Oh well, it can I be. I might have already shared it with you. I think it's the Mike Tyson one. Okay, mm-hmm. there you go. Yeah, yeah. I think it just applies to so much of life. And if you had to, if you had to tell us your favorite lesson from all your experience that you've accumulated thus far, if you wanted to say, David Connor. Remember this going forward from tomorrow. What's the lesson you want to share with us today? I, I think it, my high school wrestling coach told me uh, I was 15 or 16. Um, I was struggling uh, in wrestling practice and getting beat repeatedly. And he told me that, uh, he said, remember, no one can hold you on the ground if you don't let them. And that has probably been the best advice I got um, in so many instances in my life. Jake, the two of us um, were both very grateful, honored, shocked, and blown away that you came on to speak to us, uh, that you came to speak to us today. (laughs) Anytime. I I need to get back to your island. It's been too long since I've been there. Well, well, you you could reach out to us and we'd look after you. I'd pick you up in the airport. Um, we we'd like to call ourselves stubborn, passionate, and loyal as well. Look, we set up this podcast for the very reason to be able to reach out and speak to people like you today. Because I've I learn a lot from just looking at your feed each and every day. You're someone that I look to as someone that's inspiring, leading a life of passion. So just keep doing it, and I hope we cross paths. If not in Utah, maybe in Ireland. Yeah, you guys are always welcome here. Um, you know, the, do- the door is open. It's, uh, it's, a f- it's a fun place to be. It's a little intimidating for folks, but uh, I think that uh, everyone comes here for different reasons and most people find what they need. So you're always welcome here as well. Mm. Take a few trips up to the mountains. We'll be in good hands, no doubt. Yeah. But we'll, we'll, leave, out the, we'll leave out the fan bike. Yeah, uh, we, we guess we'll, we'll keep them warm for you. Yeah, um, yeah. Let me know when when this goes. Um, when you put it up, because we'd love to share it on the on the Jim Jones social media and share it with our folks as well. So. Absolutely, Brilliant. our pleasure. Cheers, Jake. Have a lovely day. Yeah. Thanks for coming yeah. on.